hunkering down now with Peter Schorsch is probably one of the most powerful, most influential women in Florida politics. Um, she is not in office, but she has probably put more people in office than almost anybody I know. Ashley Walker, how are you? Hey, great. How are you today, Peter? You're so, you're always so calm and measured. Like when you call, like, I don't think you've ever raised your voice to me. I don't think you've ever like cursed or, uh, but I know your words are, they, they carry a lot of weight. Uh, for the audience's edification, tell me what your official job is. I am a partner at Mercury Public Affairs, but I work on a lot of um, political efforts, um, including things like For Our Future and Organizing Together 2020, um, but do a lot of public affairs campaigns as well. Uh, are you working on anything interesting now that you can talk about? I know that you do you do, do a lot of like super PAC and a lot of behind the scenes work that um, you know, you try and maintain your client's confidentiality where they ask for it. But is there anything public or anything like uh, high profile that you're working on right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm working on a couple efforts towards November, um, working with a couple uh, packs that are aimed at um, trying to build infrastructure so that we can turn Florida blue in November. Um, also have a couple um, public affairs clients that are um, really trying to shape what some of the COVID um, with some of these relief packages coming out of Congress look like. And so that's been exciting um, and um, very um, topical right now, um, but been really busy um, despite kind of the craziness that is happening right now. Um, life does not seem to be slowing down, just means I'm busier at home. Um. There's a lot of, I think there's two types of people in our, you know, the process. Um, there are, you know, and, and by that I mean like the consultants, lobbyists, public affairs folks. There are people that are like super, super busy. And it's people that are like fighting to keep their business going. You know, I, I, I knew somebody that, um, David Johnson, he, um, he works right next to Saks Media Group. His wife's firm is in the same building as he is. And he's just like, Hey, the lights are always on. I mean, um, and everybody I talk to in public affairs right now is like, we're it's, you know, it's all hands on deck. It, number one, trying to show client value because, you know, public affairs is unfortunately one of the things that gets cut, but the clients need it. They are trying to communicate their message and their role in this um, pandemic. You know, if you've got healthcare clients right now, you know, you are, you are, you know, it's a, you're working not as hard, but you're working as long as the uh, healthcare workers that are on the front lines. Yeah. I mean, public right now, our business has been going um, very well, but I mean, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that um, are trying to make it through um, this crisis and, you know, anytime you have govern governments that are picking winners and losers, and they're they're determining who's <coughs> going to get and who's not, um, there's going to be um, business for public affairs firms. Yeah. Um, the reality is that you know, if unemployment continues to skyrocket and businesses continue to stay shuttered, I mean, there's it's going to affect every industry. 
Um, and you know, it's, no one's going to be immune. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate, knock on wood that the last six weeks, um, you know, our business has, has continued to thrive, but I think, um, you know, everybody is cognizant and, um, expecting, you know, that if this continues on, um, that everybody's going to, um, take a hit and you just have to keep working hard for your clients and, um, showing value and, and delivering results, um, as, as long as you can, because for at this moment in time, it really is critical. Are you seeing a shift already in how, and I know you, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for what you do, but like how generally how campaigns are going to organize for November. I mean, I've made the argument, you know, some things are going to be out the window. There's going to be less money. Number one, candidates are going to, there's just no doubt that candidates are going to suffer in terms of fundraising. And therefore that makes you rethink budgets and things like that. But also I don't know, can you walk door to door right now? I mean, Will you be able to do that in July and August? Um, that kind of thing. So are you seeing that, that already in the campaigns that you are involved with? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're exactly right. Budgets are changing. Um, I don't know whether you're a candidate or you're a super PAC or C4 organization. I don't know any organization that has like cracked the code right now in terms of how do you fundraise in this environment so many people are hurting and that means businesses too. And it's just hard to, to go and ask for funding for campaigns. And so budget realities are hitting in. Um, I think that there are different opportunities right now. Um, if you're a candidate running for office right now, um, it is really hard to break through. I mean, there's definitely an advantage right now for folks that are incumbents. Um, they have a platform um, to talk to voters and to talk to the general public about um, the crisis that we're facing. And so it's there's just different opportunities depending on kind of where you fit in the political spectrum. And then lastly, I mean, the tactics are absolutely um, changing and I think will continue to fluctuate between now and November. Um, I work on, um, uh, I'm the national campaigns director for For Our Future, which runs program in seven states. And, you know, we're already seeing in some of our states, like states, state secretaries, secretaries of states announcing that they're going to 100% vote by mail um, elections. I don't know that that'll happen here in Florida, um, but there will definitely be adjustments and people's habits on the way that they vote will be different. And so it's going to require different tactics and strategies to reach voters um, to make sure that they know about your issue or your candidate. Do you, do you, excuse me. <clears throat> Don't you find it odd as a, a Democrat that's been, you know, I know that you went, uh, ran Obama, but you're also familiar with the challenges that Democrats have had winning elections because Republicans are so good at vote by mail. Uh, Florida Republicans are. I just find it so ironic. And I got to tell you, some of the Republican consultants I talked to wish that they could just tackle the president because that's how Republicans have won here. Uh, maybe not necessarily Trump. But that's how Republicans have won is vote by mail, dominating the mailbox for 20 years. And I just find it ironic and probably dangerous to Republicans that 
they are almost unilaterally disarming in a way like that. You know, like you think about the president is telling his folks, don't vote by mail. If I'm if I'm you, I'm putting money behind that as a digital ad and and maybe, you know, getting uh, some hardcore Republicans not to vote by mail. And then lo and behold, there's a, a storm on Election Day and they just don't even get out there to vote. I know you would never discourage voter participation, but I just find it I just find that one of the more uh, ironic developments of this election cycle. It is very ironic because you're right. Um, vote by mail has traditionally been a strength for the Florida GOP. Um, and they have won and lost elections over um, their that their vote by mail strategies. And um, I think a lot of the effort that you've seen Democrats pour into vote by mail has been a response to their success um, in the past with that. So it is very ironic. Um, you know, I think the reality is, you know, all politics aside is that, you know, there's a big election in November. Um, it's a national election for the most, the, for the highest office in, in, in the free world. And, and we need to make sure that people feel safe to go out and vote. And we need to make sure that people have an opportunity to vote. And so it's, it's disappointing when you see people try to politicize this. Um, but I think that it's important that, you know, the supervisor of elections across the state have flexibility in how they plan for these elections. Um, and they got to get started um, because yeah. they primary election right around the corner and then a general election um, right around the corner from there. And it's a lot of prep. And so, um, you know, I just hope that we see the governor um, give some flexibility to these these supervisors so they have the ability to make sure that anybody that wants to cast their vote, any, um, you know, valid voter that wants to go cast their ballot has the opportunity to do so and has the opportunity to do it in a way where they don't feel like they have to compromise their health in order to do so. All right. Let me ask you the questions um, that I ask the regular guests. Although we should probably say that you are what, 23, 24 days from the expect um, your, uh, uh, when you're supposed to deliver your baby, correct? Is that, am I on the right time? 18 days, but who's counting? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that's such a magical time. Uh, you're just walking. Well, you, I, if all right. So under normal times, Michelle was just walking constantly because there's, you know, like I'm going to get this baby out of here, you know, whenever. You got to be kind of careful about that right now, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping to, um, you know, I watch the. The health updates um, and thank you to Florida politics. They give a lot of numbers on the COVID numbers and what's happening across the state. Um, I really am clued into that um, and watching that. I, you know, and so far so good at, at, at the local hospitals here in Broward, even though we're kind of considered a quote unquote hot spot for the state. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to, um, I want to, I want to, I want to carry the full term so that, um, I don't have any problems and I can get in and out of the hospital as quickly as possible. Um, and hopefully the, the, the peak, um, of hospitalizations and deaths will be behind us by the time I get there. I know there's some debate on whether that peak has, has, has reached us and passed or if it still lies ahead. Um, but either way, I want to be on the other side of it. Uh, no doubt. Um, all right. So when did, 
And best to you on that one. Um, when did coronavirus get real for you? Was there something you read or saw that um, you said, wait a second, this is going to be a little bit bigger than um, just the flu? Yeah, I've been in pretty much um, self-isolation for about six weeks, um, probably around the 15th of March when people kind of started um, going into, you know, talking about the need to stay home. Um, and for me, um, when it got really real was probably about three weeks ago when I went to the, to the doctor and, um, I, I go to the doctor pretty regularly cause I'm over 40. And so I have two OBs that I have to visit regularly. And I remember one particular visit where, um, just the tone in the office had changed the tone, mm. um, from and you could tell that she was uncertain about what was to come. Um, and I had to get a vaccination and, um, she wasn't sure that I should even risk it to go get a vaccination, which, um, was, you know, something that was normally standard required, but she didn't want, she wasn't sure that, um, she wanted me to go into a pharmacy to get it. And so, um, and that was my first visit that I wasn't allowed to take my husband, um, with me. So it was a visit that I did alone and, um, it just became real that, um, you know, delivering a baby amid COVID, um, is a different experience. And it is, um, you know, it's one thing when you have to cancel your baby shower and your maternity photos and all the fun stuff like that. But it's another thing when you, um, realize that there might be like real health implications for, trying to deliver a baby during this time. And so I just try to stay focused on being blessed. I have a house that I'm not at risk losing. I have a job and I get paid every week and I have my entire family is healthy. And I have a husband that um, I actually enjoy spending all this time with. And so <laughs> I, I think I'm very blessed. I, I uh, mentioned to it, mentioned this to you offline and I, I do want to say it here for the people that are listening. Um, we had a friend who had a, a baby, I guess it's now six weeks ago or for, you know, I, I have no concept of time and I will say it is a little bit of a silver lining, the, the lockdown for them because you know, there isn't as much external interference They're not having to go and do, you know, certain things that, you know, that they thought that they would have to do. They're not, you know, a lot of that is just, you know, people want to come see the baby, blah, blah, blah. It's like that Seinfeld episode. When are you going to let it, when are you going to come see the baby? And it, I don't know, there's some of that. And I just, I see my friend with her baby and they are just glowing. And you can just tell that they have a bond um, developing that is extra super strong because there's just nothing else there's no other distractions, um, you know, and so I don't know. Um, I, I hope and I know that you'll be a great mom, but I, I think that that's something you should be able to look forward to. Um, let me ask you this. What was your and this is different for you, because I know none of your days are really normal when you're when you have a baby on the way. But what was like your last normal pre corona day like? Oh, my last pre corona day, it was. Over about six weeks ago, I'm on week six, um, and it was just in the office, you know, in the office, conference calls, um, shuffling to a meeting or two in person, um, trying to get um, 15 hours of work done and an 11-hour day, and um, 
you know, it was, it was very hectic. Um, a lot of bouncing around between meetings and, and calls. Um, so I do appreciate a little bit of, um, the ability to slow down right now, especially at this point in, in my pregnancy and not feeling, you know, as you say, some of those external pressures that, um, exist when we're, when life is at normal, um, pace. I always wonder, I'm envious of, uh, of you and others. Like I'm by myself here. I want always, I'm envious what it's like to work at a firm and you know, the, I always, I always, uh, think about it. I'm like, God, I would be so horrible at office politics because it would be like, um, like, uh, Pete Campbell on, on Mad Men. It would just be so nakedly obvious what I'm trying to do all the time that I just would get run out of office after office. Uh, did you really try to set me up at that meeting like that, Peter? Um, and, but I just, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I miss that. I just wonder what it would be like to, um, to be in a big law firm or a big, you know, public affairs firm and have, have those meetings that you got to go to and everything like that. I, 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 I never, I don't have that. Um, all right. So we ask everybody, what are they watching or reading um, that they might recommend? You and I talked before the show at the beginning, like a podcast number one. And I think you're in like podcast number 50 to 55 somewhere. Everybody was talking about Tiger King. Um, and now that's completely gone away. And people started to talk about the Michael Jordan documentary that started last night. Um, a little bit of Better Call Saul. Uh, for some reason, Shit's Creek is, is everybody keeps talking about that. And then you get like really smart people that come on and talk about books that, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And you don't. But so is there anything you're watching or reading um, that's yeah. worthwhile? So my husband and I feel like we have reached the end of Netflix, which I did not think was possible. <laughs> laughing to him last night. It doesn't matter if you have if you have like cable or if you have Netflix or Hulu or Prime or all of them. Just you get to a point where you feel like there's nothing on TV. Um, we just watched a Netflix series called Zero Zero Zero, um, which was very interesting about the kind of uh, the middlemen, the, the the people that that ship drugs. It's 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 a it's a fictional um, show, but very very interesting. And saw another um, case call or another series called Interrogation, which was about um, a real life. Um, a real life cold case, um, that they have not been able to solve. And so, um, you know, we're, we're surfing around trying to find stuff. I feel like we did the tiger King, uh, series, but feel like it was so five weeks ago and it feels like an eternity ago. Um, and are just trying to scour the, the depths of Netflix to find, uh, the, the golden gem that, um, that still exists out there. So that's our, that's our evening challenge about nine o'clock each night. I, I've never heard of this zero, zero, zero. And I live for any show that involves drugs um, or drug cartels or anything. So um, thank you for giving me hope that there yeah. is something that I can go put on today and just be totally, uh, I'm so excited because I, I, I'm like you, I'm like, haven't I seen this show before? Narcos season seven, uh, Tijuana, Baja, whatever season. I'm like, I know I've, I think I've covered this ground. And then you start watching like international shows and, yeah. <laughs> you know, like 
they're so you know the shows are so complex it's really hard you're like doing so much reading of like these shows from like sweden you hear they're good or poland there's like a great show and you're just like god this is really tough reading over and over again so um all right well we're gonna wish you the best uh on your baby i hope we get to talk to you again before that um you're certainly all you know we always learn something when we talk to you so please stay in touch and uh, best to you in all of this. Thank you, Peter, and best to you and Michelle and Ella Joyce, and hope you all stay healthy. Okay. All right, bye-bye.